0: Quarter one of 2023 wrapped up in April, and there's been a fair amount of activist shareholder activity. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and on today's episode of the ABA Journals Asked and Answered, we'll be looking into how CEO bad behavior may be figuring in with this uptick. Joining me are Ken Mantel and Megan Rita, both of whom are partners with Olshan, From and Wolowski, where they advise funds and individuals on investing in public companies. Ken and Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So
0: why do you think that shareholder activity was high or higher in the past quarter? I was wondering if maybe because more people are coming back to the office, maybe there's more opportunities for CEO and uh, senior management bad behavior. What do you guys think?
2: Yes, we're seeing a lot of activity in shareholder activism. it's partly due to market factors and the uh, performance issues at various companies. That's always a driver. There are also you know, just macro, macroeconomic issues as far as different investment opportunities. Uh, I think that your, your investment funds can speak well to that. Uh, but also there have been some rules changes recently as far as the uh, the proxy and director election process, where there's something called universal Proxy that's been implemented by the SEC that I think has really driven some additional interest in shareholder activism and putting candidates up for election at public company boards. So it's, I think, raised the profile a little bit since about August when uh, that rule set was implemented.
1: Something to add is regarding CEO misbehavior specifically is, is that a CEO has always been vulnerable and subject to heightened scrutiny as the face and the leader of a company. And um, for decades, the main reason chief executives were really criticized and ousted from their jobs was mainly due to a a company's poor performance, including shareholder activism pressure or performance generally in the marketplace deteriorating. This all changed in about 2017 and 2018 following the Me Too movement, We're seeing more and more CEO misconduct in the news lately, whether it's personal misdeeds, ethical violations, illegal business practices. We're no longer in that era where boards can really turn a blind eye to a CEO's bad behavior. And as a result, we're beginning to see more and more of this bad behavior publicized and condoned in the public. I think that following the Me Too movement, a lot of this activity is a result of the boards no longer being able to hide behind a CEO or defer to a CEO when there are allegations of sexual misconduct or offensive behavior being publicized. And they must, as board members with fiduciary duties to their shareholders, hold management, including the CEO, accountable. And it's vital that the board act swiftly, professionally, and concisely to address the issue as there could be severe consequences if it fails to do so.
0: Well, and the two of you, you mostly represent the shareholders, right, who would bring lawsuits against the board and the company.
1: We don't, I wouldn't say we typically bring lawsuits against the company. Our role in the activism sphere is really strategic and legal advisors to the activists in establishing their position and trying to push for change at the company via an activist toolkit, whether it's getting directors elected to the board, pushing for divestitures of a business, or the exiting of an underperforming CEO. Class action lawsuits do occur at companies all the time. That's not really our focus. Of course, our clients do engage in litigation when it happens, if a company um, reacts negatively to, for example, a nomination they submit to a company and and fails to acknowledge it. We often do find ourselves in litigation, but we're not on the end of the class action lawsuits. We're at the forefront of an activist trying to push for change of a company, which sometimes does involve installing a new CEO or or other management changes.
0: I see. Well, can you give me a sense of generally... How does the seed for change start with your clients? Is it things they observed? As I think, as you mentioned earlier, that when their proxies come out, people look at those very closely. How do they know that, hey, there's something here where we can bring change or try to bring
2: change? So I think that, uh, or at least the way that I like to think about it, is that you have your investors who are doing their analysis on a company and they think that they're on a ride up and they're going to join along for the ride. I think that many of our clients are seeing companies where there are issues, uh, issues that they believe could be resolved. And after that, the company could perform and uh, add value for shareholders very well. So they're on the lookout for companies that are performing below their peers that have issues, really, uh, that they think could be resolved in a way that would add value and improve the company for all stakeholders. So they'll, they'll do their financial analysis similar to other investors, and their focus is, uh, is just a little bit different.
0: And sometimes the resolution might be getting a seat on the board, right? Yes.
2: So our clients will generally come to us with a name and an idea. There's a company that they think could add value, and they have ideas for how the company can do that. Whether it's It could be changing management because there's an issue with management. It could be that there's a strategy that they're following that doesn't seem to be bearing fruit uh, or a host of other reasons. And they could engage with the company, talk to them, just like any other investor, uh, tell them what their opinion is. And generally, that's what our clients are, are doing. They're communicating with the company. And once you're getting along to trying to put new people on the board, generally, that's a situation where the conversations haven't proved to be enough, that presenting good ideas to the company just isn't quite enough and something else is needed. Uh, So there's a thought that adding some new blood on the board uh, will lead to some different decision making and will really add credibility as far as the views of other investors on how the board is going to monitor things and uh, deal with management and otherwise do its job for the benefit of shareholders and stakeholders.
1: Yeah, oftentimes we um, we see a stock price uptick and increase after an activist surfaces on a name. This is because the market and shareholders have confidence that an activist will have the tools and has the ideas to help drive the long term value at the company. So, an activist and you know presence at a company while it may face defensive maneuvers from the target company in large part due to egos or or not understanding proper governance, the market generally likes an activist involvement because they do believe change will ultimately occur, whether it's through a contested election, a settlement, or just constructive dialogue, as Kenneth mentioned.
0: So if you live in this world... I would imagine there's probably some names of activists you would recognize whether you know them or not. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Okay. It, it, can you tell me a bit about some of the well-known some of the most well-known activists? It, I'm wondering if it's kind of an interesting, maybe kind of quirky and certainly very smart group.
1: Ken and I both work on on some of with the some of the prolific activists. I personally work with Starboard Value LP and handle and nearly all of their activist matters along with other members of my team. And Ken, he can speak for himself, but he, he handles Elliot. Um, both of them are, are widely known, widely recognized, and respected in the investment community.
0: So those are both investment businesses, right?
2: Not individuals.
1: Correct. They're investment managers that you know manage funds.
0: Okay.
2: Yes. Yeah, so other prominent names in the space include uh, Daniel Loeb. Uh, they include Carl Icahn, who has a long history of taking actions like this. Uh, there's Tryon. Which and Nelson Peltz, uh, who's had some very prominent engagements with companies, including Disney, uh, fairly recently. So there are a lot of activist investors who really do make front-page news when they uh, do take a position, and they start trying to agitate for change.
0: I was curious, are some of the well-known activist investors lawyers themselves?
2: I think that some of them have legal training, um, mm. but uh, they, they probably shifted along to, uh, to investment management.
0: Okay. And do you have a sense of how, for many of them, how do they get involved in doing this, just from watching the markets, or how does it start?
2: Investors can find themselves in this, you know, in that group in any number of different ways. We represent uh, a good number of investment funds where that's really their focus. That is just a, a core part of how they view investment opportunities and what they think of as their regular toolkit. But we also represent a lot of investors who just really find themselves in the position where they have an investment and the company has been performing very poorly. They've tried engaging with the company. They've tried to get the company to recognize what the views of other shareholders are, and they're not getting traction. Uh, The company is not listening. The company is not engaging. and. They find themselves looking for what they can do. They have significant uh, dollars at play. These might be uh, your kind of family funds. They could be wealthy individuals who really were part of the founding of the company or were former executives. And they're trying to make the best of their investment and do things right for other shareholders. And they would come to us and figure out what their options are.
0: I was curious too, so when the investors for the individuals, when the reports come out, do they tend to look at them themselves or is that something they might hire someone to do or may, maybe a little bit of both to look for a spot that seems problematic?
2: I'd say that uh, what the investors are doing, your your professional types are doing financial analysis like any other investment manager trying to to figure out what the company's performance is. And then you would also whether it's through their own expertise or through talking to us, uh, we would look into what pathways might be available to push for change at the company. And that's really a, a core part of the, uh, the early stage engagement that we have with clients and uh, anyone who's really interested in potentially becoming uh, an activist in a situation. We will take a look at what the company's governing law says, uh, what options are available under that. Companies also have certain governing documents that lay out what rights shareholders have on top of the uh, the basic law. And through looking at those, we can advise our clients on what they might be able to do beyond just talking to the company.
1: Yeah, and I'll add to that. I, I would say that our clients are, are very smart, driven individuals. And whenever they look at any company. They do so themselves and alongside portfolio managers and then their internal personnel, but they at times all hire outside advisors, whether it's, you know, search firms or um, investigative firms to dig into some things a little further. Oftentimes we, you know, we can see an activist come out with an issue that may not have been publicized before and that causes a board to have to make quick decisions, and swiftly react. I could give you an example. Um, This was a little bit back, but Third Point launched a proxy contest for board seats in 2012 due to performance and governance issues at Yahoo. Um, Rather than work with Third Point to add new directors, Yahoo appointed hand-picked directors. Companies typically do this to try to appease shareholders. It's window dressing. Well, we don't need to add any Shareholder nominees because we now appointed our own directors. The problem with that is they usually have ties to existing management or their board or their friends. Typically, they're not as independent as, as the company makes it seem. In this situation, rather than work with the activist shareholder, third point, Yahoo took reactive measures, and a couple months later, third point called for the immediate resignation of its CEO, Scott Thompson. For embellishing his academic credentials. And rather than take responsibility for the issue, Yahoo called the discrepancy an inadvertent error. And then a couple, and then I think it was only a week or so later, Yahoo entered into a settlement with Third Point and uh, Scott Thompson resigned from all positions at the company, including as CEO, president, and a director. So this shows that a boards and companies should take the concerns of its shareholders seriously and they should own up to issues that are uncovered and make decisive decisions. In the end, I think the settlement was helpful to Yahoo's perhaps not professional response to Third Point's involvement here, but um, I do think the settlement ultimately helped bridge the gap from the hours that occurred from the outset.
0: Well, how common is it if an investment group or a well-known uh, shareholder activists communicate to uh, a public company and say, I see this, this seems problematic. How common is it for the company to try to work and change things as opposed to trying to put up window dressing or just deny things?
1: Well, oftentimes what you don't see is the behind-the-scenes engagement. Most activists and typically the very seasoned, well-known activists have a very driven process where they always try to engage behind the scenes with management and the board before they launch a proxy contest. By engaging first with the company behind the scenes, they try to figure out ways they can work together to address the problems that the activist has uncovered, whether it's new directors in the boardroom, new management, or a new strategic direction, things of that nature. So there is this behind the scenes engagement. A lot of times ego gets in the way or the board thinks that, you know, it doesn't want to adhere to an activist's demands. And oftentimes they make these decisions to their detriment and it forces the activist to go public. And that's where a lot of the publicity around the issues come into play. And the company now has to deal with the negative publicity that occurs for failing to have worked constructively behind the scenes with the activists. But yes, that is a, a key part to most activist strategies is to engage first. And if engagement doesn't work, then it needs to take the next steps and move forward publicly with its concerns and hope that that will in turn cause the company to change course and work constructively.
0: So it sounds like it is like many things in life is you approach the people with power you know and hope you can persuade them and get the others to follow along, basically.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I wanted to ask the two of you about trends you're seeing in CEO bad behavior. We'll be right back.
2: Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thisspanishgroup.org.
0: It can be frustrating to wade through the malpractice insurance application process, but you know you need to protect your firm. ALPS designed their application to be flexible, easy, and 100% online. Fill it out, review your quote, accept, and pay in as little as 10 minutes. Alps is the nation's largest direct writer of lawyers' malpractice insurance, and they are endorsed by more bar associations than any other carrier, so they understand law firms. They also know how valuable your time is, and that's why they make legal malpractice insurance easy. Visit alpsinsurance.com to learn more. That's A L P S Insurance.com.
1: Filing court documents,
0: serving legal papers.
1: Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotraccom simple.
2: Delegate out those
0: tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S T A F I.cc and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Warren, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I am talking about activist shareholder activity and CEO bad behavior with Ken Mantel and Megan Rita, both of whom are partners with Olshan, Frome, and Wolowski. And they represent shareholders suing public companies or behind-the-scenes work with the shareholders as well. So if you guys could both tell me a bit, what are some trends or new things you have noticed this past year, perhaps even the past quarter, in terms of CEO bad behavior? What's become more common?
2: Well, I, I would say that, uh, look, the way that the world has evolved, uh, information is distributed, it's just so much more difficult for bad behavior to not be noticed. Certainly, there's the, the Me Too movement that's brought some issues that were maybe a little bit under the rug uh, to the forefront, but also a lot of just quick communication and sensitivity on various bits of behavior that are not how is the company performing, more about the individual CEO and comments they may make and things they may do outside of strictly working as the leader of a public company and things Keep on coming out about the, these various individuals and, you know, they trend, they they blow up and the board of directors has to figure out how they're going to deal with that.
1: Yeah, and I would add I, I would add to that a lot of big name CEOs that may have gone that may have thought they were untouchable in the past are learning that their misconduct is no longer going to be tolerated. In this, in this social media driven Me Too world. It's interesting that the big name CEOs are the most likely to, fi- to land themselves in hot water and find the, their negative publicity in the media. And we're seeing this more and more as the boards of companies are no longer willing to put their seats on the line by ignoring the conduct and now need to take proactive action. Otherwise, they're going to face severe consequences as well for failing to hold the CEO accountable for their misbehavior. It simply cannot be tolerated any longer. And the boards of companies are realizing this more and more. So I think that's a lot of the shift we're seeing as well.
0: Would you say that a lot of public companies are diversifying their boards in a meaningful way where the diverse board members are heard and have a say on the board. I seem to recall that there were some shareholder lawsuits about companies that pledged to have diversity on their board and they didn't.
1: I would say generally, I think boards are cognizant of the importance of instilling diversity in the boardrooms. If they have good advisors and understand their vulnerabilities, it can't be lost upon them that they need to self-refresh and update their boards so that they appropriately represent women, diverse candidates, and we no longer have an all-male white board in today's corporate America. To do so would um, make them extremely vulnerable to, to shareholder activists and other scrutiny from the public to the extent a company continues to refuse to, diversify or update their boards in today's environment really would be a huge mistake. And I think any company that has a good advisor would tell them they need to be proactive um, before it's too late.
2: Yeah, to to add to that, I would say that um, this is an issue that I think has has really come up, uh, board diversity, partly due to the work of activist investors who are going out there and looking for ways to improve boards of directors and, uh, and companies. So you know, these issues have been raised by, uh, by our clients and investors at poorly performing companies as ways to improve things. And the way that it works is that uh, other companies see that they don't want to be in that hot seat. They don't want to you know, have their board of directors Uh, criticized in that way. And they proactively take steps to address the issue, to make themselves less vulnerable to that kind of uh, argument if they end up with that sort of investor. So I think that the the work of activist investors has really helped improve corporate governance and the way boards look, really broad scope at uh, companies who have been performing well and, you know, don't really expect to see anyone uh, trying to agitate for change there.
0: Do you see much diversity in the shareholder activist
2: world? I think that it, it varies. It's, you know, I I don't think that we have a full picture of the diversity among our our clients uh, with uh, all the, the work that's done over the phone and, you uh, know, over Zoom. But no, certainly we do expect that diversity is uh, increasing across the board, you know, in, in law firms and at, investment funds and and so on at uh, different paces.
0: Do you mind telling me a bit about fee agreements? Generally, if you, when you work with a shareholder, do you have like a billable rate or a flat fee? Or maybe would your, would the payment for your work come out from an agreement they make with the company? How, how does that work?
2: So we're not in the, uh, I guess, in the business of of, uh, suing companies for, for damages, really, uh, you know, not really the class action business. We're, you know, doing a job that is a mix of corporate law and securities law and so on, uh, you know, mergers and acquisitions law. So, you know, generally our rate structure and those of our fellow firms are hours-based. So, you, know, you you have your, your bill by the hour uh, and so on. There's definitely a movement within uh, law firms towards alternative billing arrangements. But I think that billing by the hour is still most generally accepted and and easiest to to deal with. As far as how those bills get paid, um, our clients are responsible. uh, But in certain situations where they reach an agreement with the company, it is possible that the client would ask for uh, some reimbursement of their expenses in recognition of the positive work that they've done to improve value at the company.
0: Okay. And so... How do, when someone comes to you, uh, with they say, I want to bring this forward, what is it that like sets off for you? Oh, yeah, this seems like you'll have success on this and bring change. Or it's like, yeah, no, this is a bit of a stretch. How do you decide what cases you want to get involved? Or oh, no, I'm sorry. How do you decide what matters you want to provide representation on?
1: I would say we don't really decide what matters. We we pretty much take on any activist shot, uh matter we can tackle any activist situation and provide advice whether you know and we would do so whether we necessarily think the activist is in the right or not. And typically they are actually in the right. But I would say that we provide a holistic approach to any activist campaign. Activists come to us for a number of reasons involving of course, companies, but they come to us at the outset with an idea. Let, let me have you look at this company from a governance perspective. We see X, Y, and Z issues, whether it's poor performance, poor governance, strife within the company. And they ask us to look at the company's governing documents. Is there a pathway for us to push for change at the company? Can we nominate directors? Can we call a special meeting of shareholders? What things can we do to help drive and push for these changes that we think are necessary. We don't really do, they do the work of what, what's wrong at the company. We helped identify vulnerabilities, but the meat of the work from a financial analysis perspective comes from the activists. They come, they then come to us and ask, what items or what actions do we have? What can we pull from our activist toolkit to then Go after this company and really get done what we need things to get done. So we, we provide um, strategic advice. We help draft press releases and public letters. We, pro- we help do their SEC filings and, and we also help the any activist campaign if it has to go to a proxy contest, or we help negotiate settlements with companies to the extent a company is willing to work constructively with the activists. So we really do have a, a broad range of, um, services that we provide to activists. And we oftentimes have to use other aspects of our firms. We have to use our litigators to help look at things that might be problematic from a corporate securities perspective. We have to ask our employment team to look into CEO agreements and assess change of control implications. There's so many different aspects that touch an activist campaign. Um, a public company obviously has an enormous um, has an enormous number of legal implications. So, you know, we have to carefully navigate the, the activists through the legal implications of, of the actions it's trying to pursue.
0: Okay. And are there some examples you can point to about CEOs behaving badly and perhaps they and perhaps everyone in business learn lessons about what not to do going forward?
1: I would say the classic, The classic example that most people know about and and what effectively spurred the Me Too movement was Harvey Weinstein at the Weinstein Company. When the allegations came out, although the board did eventually fire him, it turns out that these allegations had gone on for decades and the board failed to address them or failed to take them seriously. And I think it just shows, and I think a a lesson learned from that is that sexual misconduct or similar type of Bad behavior cannot be swept under the rug any longer. It won't be tolerated. And what might have occurred decades ago is no longer the case here. The boards need to ensure accountability. The board needs to do damage control for a CEO's bad behavior and the impact it has on its its reputation, its brand, its relationship with customers and clients. The consequences of a CEO's bad misconduct is is severe um, and can result in the destruction of billions of dollars. I think the Harvey Weinstein situation really shined a light on, on what behavior will no longer be tolerated and that the, you know, the board has to act swiftly and take any allegation of sexual misconduct seriously um, and, and respond in a manner that gives confidence to its employees and its shareholders that it's treating the matter seriously and um, will not tolerate and will hold such behavior accountable.
0: Well, so pre-Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement, did you see many activist shareholders bring up sexual harassment allegations, um, you know, or like settlements or something like that to the board? And if so, how were those allegations usually
2: received? So I I think that uh, it's our clients are generally operating based on public information and some information that they can obtain you know, from talking to former employees and people who've, who've worked with the company. So you know, our clients and investors generally are rarely in a position where they're able to find misbehavior, uh, be the initial you know, people who are finding the, the misbehavior by company CEOs. Sometimes it will happen you know, there could be. Uh, With everything online, you can find uh, social media posts that maybe were were overlooked. But uh, generally, they're coming to the situation where uh, there are issues and what are investors going to do about it? What's the board going to do about it? How did they let it happen in the first place? And how are they going to fix it? And, you know, this kind of Misbehavior could be uh, any number of different varieties. Uh, we've seen, without discussing any you know, any particular matters, we've worked on you know, misuse of company funds, embellishing their resumes and credentials, uh, making controversial public comments, uh, mistreating employees, and uh, inappropriate workplace behavior and relationships. All of those you know, will will happen regularly, and it's on the board to figure out how to deal with that, to figure out how to appropriately right the ship and move on.
1: And to add to Ken's point, I I would say that I agree that it's absolutely more difficult for an activist to uncover that type of behavior. And it oftentimes goes undetected uh, unless the media comes out. But I would also like to emphasize that CEO bad behavior is live bait for an activist to step in and right the ship and better the governance at the company. In other words, if a CEO has been ousted or has been accused of personal misdeeds, whether it's sexual misconduct or offensive um, behavior or language, that really opens the door for them to come in and say, hey, we think X, Y, and Z should occur for the company to help fix its brand Improve its governance and really restore the confidence to employees, other shareholders, and the market generally in the company, given the um, adverse consequences that occur when a CEO behaves badly. So, another great example here is Papa John's. In um, 2017, John Shatner, the founder of Papa John's, stepped down of, as CEO. In the wake of controversial comments he made to the NFL's um, handling of the, the anthem protests, I believe the stock went down approximately 13 percent after that came out. While well, the company then apologized and offered to work with the NFL to help address, address the issue, Shatner didn't step down until a little bit later as CEO, but he remained chairman of the board. Um, in 2018, he then resigned as chairman after he apologized for using a racial slur in a uh, on a conference call. And thereafter, uh, Starboard entered the scene, given the turmoil turmoil that occurred in the past, particularly the fact that the company allowed Shatner to remain as chairman of the board following his offensive misconduct. And um, eventually, Papa John's and Starboard settled. And Jeff Smith of Starboard became the, the chairman of Papa John's. And the company did, did fairly well after the new chairman was installed, improving the stock price, improving the governance. So I really saw that as a success story, a lesson learned, but also a success story.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's everything I have to ask both of you today. I want to thank you so much for joining us.
1: Great. Thank you
2: very much. Yeah, thank you for having us.
0: Yes, of course. And listeners, thank you for joining us as well. If you like what you heard today, please read us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journals Asked and Answered.